diving into everything there is to know about renewable hydrogen. This is Purple is the New Green, a Nell Hydrogen podcast, co-hosted together with H2View. Join us as we talk about hydrogen, the energy carrier of the future, already available today. Welcome to another episode of Purple is the New Green. I'm Lila Azdell danielson together with my co-host, Rob Cockerell. So Rob, as you know, we're shaking things up a bit with the podcast this time. You mean we're no longer Team Purple? <laughs> no, we're not shaking things up that much. What I'm referring to is how we've opened things up to the audience a bit more. It's not just you and me who get to ask the questions this time around. Ah, well, I'm glad the purple's still safe. I would have had to throw out all my purple swag. So, <laughs> any interesting questions to tackle then? Uh, we've got a handful of questions to send Torsten's way, and I guess you'll just have to wait and see how interesting they are. Mysterious, I like it. So, speaking of our guest today, he's a relatively new recruit to Team Purple, isn't he? I think relatively is the key word there. Today, we're talking to Torsten Herbert, the Director for Market Development and Public Affairs. He joined Nell at the beginning of May 2020, so with the amount of growth that Nell has seen in that time, he's far from one of the newest to the company. That said, we're thrilled to have him on the team. I bet. If you remember last episode when we were talking about rock stars with Philip? You mean when I referred to myself as a rock star? Yes, Lila, that'd be the reference. I do remember that, yes. Vaguely. (laughs) Only vaguely, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, anyhow, I think we can safely say Torsten is absolutely a hydrogen rock star, particularly here in Europe. Definitely. There was a lot of positive buzz around when he joined the Nell family. And I'm betting today's episode will generate more of that as we talk through the European hydrogen scene with him. Any thoughts to kick us off on that topic? Well, the obvious talking point is the EU hydrogen strategy, still. I mean, I know we've talked a bit about that in previous podcasts, but... I think it's safe to say it was a defining moment in 2020 and will continue to be so when we look back in years to come at the journey of hydrogen in Europe. So it's definitely worth another mention here. And just look at those targets for installed electrolyzer capacity, 40 gigawatts by 2030 alone. Agreed. And I'm guessing we might touch on that last point today. But if that's the obvious one, then what else is happening? Come on, Rob, give us a few other highlights you think are worth mentioning. Well, I mean, we we could... Of course, reel off a whole list of developments, such as the level of daily activity in hydrogen these days, right? But I do think it's all about policy and politics right now, more than ever. Political, isn't it always? I know, I know. That's not exactly a big surprise. Some would say it's always been political. But we hear on a daily basis now that the biggest push-pull factor in this hydrogen sector is policy. It's all about policy, policy, policy. It's not even about carrot or stick, it's both. And we need it all right now, aligned and implemented as soon as possible, if we're really to realise all of the uh, incredible pockets of promise out there in hydrogen. I love that, Rob. Pockets of promise. Okay, well, let's see if our own man on the ground in the market development agrees. Let's get Torsten on the line. Torsten, thanks for joining us. Yeah, hey. Uh Good, good to talk to you. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, you raised the bar of expectations quite high with talking about <laughs> rock stars and things. So yeah, a bit humbled here. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, always, always good to start you off humbled, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we've got a lot of great stuff to dive into with you today. But before we really get into it, perhaps you could tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, I'm a a bit strange for being a policy guy. I'm a mechanical engineer uh, and uh, was studying at the Technical University Darmstadt um, and also like obtained a um, 
job accompanying master's degree in renewable energy uh, in, in 2015. So that's, let's say, the university and uh, uh, educational background. Um, yeah, and uh, joined uh, hydrogen and fuel cells already in 2001. So I will have my 20th uh, anniversary uh, this year, uh, just in a few weeks, I guess. So 1st of uh, July, I started my job. And uh, yeah, that was uh, more or less directly in the GM fuel cell activities, like in the automotive fuel cell system development with GM and Opel um, back in the days. So that was uh, very exciting and directly, uh, yeah, they directly got me with, let's say, the enthusiasm in the GM uh, international fuel cell activities uh, and also the, the massive opportunities uh, that, that hydrogen and fuel cells promised. Um, and I was there for seven years then uh, until the national organization hydrogen and fuel cell technology in Germany was founded. Um, and I was like one of the starting nine uh, in, in this organization, uh, which was uh, built up to manage uh, and er erect, so to say, the hydrogen and fuel cell in industry in Germany. Uh, back in 2008 and I actually stayed there for 11 years, um, grew with the company uh, and uh, yeah, happy to join uh, Nell then, uh, as you mentioned, uh, in May last year. Well, congratulations on that, uh, that anniversary coming up, Torsten. Um, yeah, thanks. If, if we talk about back in the day uh, and on that topic of hydrogen, was it that enthusiasm and that sense of opportunity that got you into this industry? Uh, actually, how, how I got, uh, let's say, the task there and, and, and the job was that uh, that was actually by chance. Uh, so uh, I started off with an um, engineering service uh, company uh, the first month of my professional career uh, and was assigned to, uh, let's say, the customer Opel slash GM in the fuel cell system development team. Uh, that was totally by chance. Uh, but yeah, as I mentioned, it, it directly got me. It was such a great team, uh, such enthusiastic people, uh, really convinced of the topic. And that's basically the reason why I'm, yeah, celebrating my 20th uh, this year. That's kind of interesting that, you know, something that was just by chance and clearly it's uh, it's panned out. It's worked out into a, a great career for you. So as mm. Rob already said, uh, congratulations on the uh, upcoming anniversary. <laughs> Thanks. So as you might have heard, we're doing things a bit differently this time around. And we've opened up the floor to some questions from the audience. Uh, so let's start off with a question from David G on Instagram. David asks, so just in case you'd like it in English, yes, please. what about a network of um, petrol stations in Austria? Let's assume David means hydrogen stations. Any thoughts on such a network in Austria, Torsten? And, and in English for Rob's sake. At least. Yeah, I even, I even got, uh, I got it in, in Norwegian, but uh, at the moment, not, not possible to answer in Norwegian. Sorry, uh, David. <laughs> uh, so good, good for you, Rob. Um, yeah, Austria, I think uh, due to the, also the geographical uh, circumstances we have there, 
um, uh, and uh, looking at the, the current network work of, of um, five stations, uh, so two in Vienna, like the other three quite um, well distributed uh, to the other bigger cities, uh, you could already say that, let's say, with these five stations um, and the smart uh, locations, uh, you're already pretty much uh, covering Austria um, uh, with regards also if you take the, the, the um, ranges of the of fuel cell cars into account, right? So I think these five stations already now perfectly say, um, serve, for example, fleet customers. Um, but uh, I think we can expect uh, a build out there. Um, so just uh, recently, um, H2 Mobility Germany took over the, the operations uh, of the stations uh, and they have bold plans um, also to build out the network. Um, and also Austria is committed to hydrogen uh, with a national um, strategy process. So five stations today is already uh, quite nice coverage, but there will definitely be more coming. Well, uh, I feel very humbled on the language front, clearly. Uh, I'm not <laughs> as much of a rock star as you, Lila. Uh, but we do have a question. Sorry about that, Rob. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Uh, we do have a question in English for me, uh, thankfully. Not quite sure if you'll be able to answer it, Torsten. Let's go. It's on the future of transportation, and this one came from Twitter. Uh, why produce hydrogen and transport it? Why not produce sodium uh, with no transport loss and use the hydrogen generator to much more efficiently produce the hydrogen when and where needed. What are your thoughts, Torsten? <laughs> sorry, sorry, Rob. Um, didn't we ask for policy questions? Um, we did. Yeah, so that, yeah. that, that definitely um, is much too technical and I would be happy to meet uh, this guy virtually. Um, um, that, that so that he can like maybe explain this technology to me and and the process. Um, yeah, it sounds interesting, but uh, sorry, I'm the policy guy. Absolutely. Well, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe our listeners can can go back through Purple is the New Green for all the technical details on why hydrogen. And moving on, so let's focus in on Europe for a bit. Uh, we were just discussing earlier how the region is currently seeing a major upswing in interest around hydrogen. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's it's actually amazing. So uh, looking back at at, at this one year uh, since I started with Nell, uh, actually everything we eventually anticipated uh, when we also let's say put together um, my job description, for example, uh, what 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 will be uh, my tasks. Um, this is all materializing now, right? So it started off with, with the national strategies, um, Netherlands and, and, and Germany, uh, and then uh, kind of with the highlight of, of the European strategy in, in July last year. And what happened since then is just uh, incredible. So we have uh, the European Clean Hydrogen Alliance in place now, uh, which just recently performed a project collection uh, exercise where, and uh, believe it or not, more than 1,000 projects uh, have been handed in uh, into this uh, pipeline. 
Um, and uh, this, uh, let's say, uh, amount of projects, these thousand projects, these are now building the basis for reaching the six gigawatt target in 2024 and the 40 gigawatt target in 2030. And this is this is just just amazing. Uh, and we are already also quite far in the IPSE uh, process. Uh, and we are also talking about more than 400 projects uh, that, that have been selected nationally. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to be very exciting uh, how, how, how this will work out and how these IPSEs will look like. Um, yeah, so it's just it's just breathtaking uh, what what is currently happening here. Maybe that's a good time to to bring in another question that we received um, again from uh, Instagram this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patty Wilson had asked, uh, "What are your plans in Europe?" So you've told us a little bit about the general hydrogen plans um, and, and policy developing in in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, where does Nell come into this? What are what are our plans around it? It's twofold. So we want, on the one hand, um, and, and you talked about that in your introduction, it's about policy now. It's about policy. Um, regulatory framework needs to be established for a hydrogen economy. And that is where Nell uh, wants to play a proactive role. Um, yeah, we just uh, recently uh, had a recruiting process for a head of EU affairs, um, which uh, was... Um, very successful uh, overall. Um, so we will also strengthen uh, our resource there. Uh, we have uh, our CEO, Jan Andre, in the board of Hydrogen Europe, um, which strengthens our, our position. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, let's say, the one path, proactive player in policy development. And of course, uh, as I say, the natural second thing is uh, remaining the world's largest electrolyzer manufacturer um, and um, increase the market share in Europe. Um, actually utilize all these opportunity I just talked about, right? Thousand projects submitted to the Clean Hydrogen Alliance, 400 projects uh, in the IPSI process. So, yeah, how do we utilize these opportunity best uh, for Nell? I think is the second is the second uh, path I would describe here. That's great. Thanks, Torsten. So, just to follow up on that a little bit, we have the G7 summit right here in Cornwall right now, mm-hmm. uh, and your home nation, Germany, is of course part of that gathering. What mm. would you like to see from Germany and the other G7 nations when it comes to hydrogen policy? It's. I think Germany is a is a good example. So they are really uh, leading leading the way, uh, and and that's how it how it should continue. So they even uh, implemented now some uh, of the long 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 uh, required uh, regulatory framework. So not all players are happy yet, and it's not the final solution. But they implemented some regulatory framework now to really start off the first projects. Um, then uh, also taking Germany again on, on the IPSE side, side, they just committed to over 60 projects. Uh, more or less, uh, they more or less account for, for all the budget uh, Germany uh, announced to use for hydrogen. So that's that's just amazing and a, and a big commitment. So which also 
gives these projects and the consortia, I think, a perfect backing also um, uh, to continue and, and to realize these projects, um, maybe even if they are not successful finally to get into an IPSI, uh, but still gives them, let's say, the backing of the government uh, and shows them, okay, no matter what, if you don't make it into the IPSI, we will take care of you on a national level. Um, and uh, yeah, I think these these kinds of role models, I think that's 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 how it should be. Um, that uh, we see examples on, on regulatory framework in the countries, but also really the commitment for projects and backing up projects uh, to make sure that that uh, yeah they they can really be uh, starting operation soon. That makes a lot of sense. Now to pull it back, you're just talking about role models, and uh, you know you heard Rob mention about you being a rock star in the <laughs> industry. So let's talk about your side of things a bit here. What's it like being on the public affairs side of the hydrogen business? I, I, Is it interesting being within those inner workings? Or I'm, I'm, I'm actually wear, wearing a Foo Fighters T-shirt today, so uh, <laughs> at, at least at least that 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 fits. I would so say. You, you've got the rock star <laughs> thing going on there. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, so it's 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 definitely exciting uh, on on that side. Um, so I think it's also twofold here. Of course, I have the opportunity to, yeah, also uh, be part of or prepare high-level meetings um, on on a political level. Um, uh, but 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 I find especially exciting here also being new in Nell or relatively new is as we said uh, is that i'm also very close to to the corporate management and and uh, really have a good uh, um, connection here uh, with with jan andre and and the colleagues um, because of course uh, everything that that is said publicly and what we promote publicly uh, needs to be backed uh, by by them um, so yeah, it, I find it very exciting. Um, so I, I came from, let's say, the public side of things from my former job in NOW, and now uh, seeing that, let's say, from the corporate side, uh, it, it's very exciting. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I, I have fun. Uh, you mentioned uh, the term twofold there, Torsten, which is uh, a very nice and neat uh, lead into my next question. Is there a twofold mission to be achieved, uh, perhaps less so now in Europe, but in both convincing politicians and governments to get behind hydrogen, but also getting the public on board too? Is, is that where an opportunity for a G7 gathering would come from? Yeah, of course, they, they can send signals, uh, that's, that's for sure. And I think uh, talking about G7, or as I talked earlier about all these uh, um, hydrogen strategies already in place or, or coming up, um, being in the process of, of development, that I think uh, that we succeeded in really get the politicians on board. I think uh, there's a broad understanding now that this is needed and that an energy system dominated by fluctuating renewable energies will only work with hydrogen as a large-scale storage device, uh, so to say, and, and and that it's like 
broadly understood that such a system will not work only on electrons, uh, but that it needs molecules too. So I think we pretty much succeeded on, on the political side, but uh, coming back to the twofold, we have the public here. Um, and I think we need to do some more work here. Um, that's for sure. And of, of course, the, the, um, the G7 can, can send uh, important signals here. Um, because public acceptance in the end is crucial for, for its success. And it's a bit more complicated with hydrogen than with, for example, a battery car. Um, so because it's like the, the, the advantages are really in the overall systematic benefits hydrogen brings. And, and that is um, quite difficult to sell um, to the public, but also to the, to the politicians. Um, yeah, and we, did, we need to do more work here uh to to get the the public on board um but yeah I, i'm quite confident here and and uh, uh yeah looking forward to that task you know speaking of the the g7 and, and i know that our focus today was was mainly meant to be on european policy but mm. we got a good question from from bill elric about uh, you know how about discussing suggestions for how we might all collaborate globally more as the hydrogen movement grows building greater momentum and the global market any thoughts on that yeah so um, first first hello bill um, um, really really missing to meet uh, people like you in person so um, thanks thanks bill for for uh, for your feedback here um, yeah but uh, Definitely, international cooperation is key uh, for success. So it, it cannot be, let's say, island solution from individual countries. Um, and and we see some strong examples there already. Um, I think uh, this is also going pretty well. Uh, I hope you agree, Bill, um, uh, with regards to to international corporations. Um, so uh, yeah we see um, for example portugal and the netherlands germany and france um, but also australia and japan um, now germany also with the northern african uh, countries um, so i think there's, a, there's lots of things in the making and, and what i like about these partnerships or especially about these partnerships that concentrate on let's say also key competencies, right? And key um, opportunities these indi individual countries bring with each other. So a um, good example is uh, Australia and Japan. So Australia has the vast uh, renewable resources, which Japan is lacking. Um, and uh, yeah, they are, let's say, focusing on really export import um, uh, models and also technologies um, so and, and another like just recent example um, is that that maritime partnership between the us norway and denmark where um, i think it's also a smart move that it's i think it's not let's say the first thing that uh, comes to your mind if you think about a maritime uh, a decarbonization partnership uh, that that the US, Norway, and Denmark uh, are teaming up. But I think that's a smart move also from the US because there's like key competencies in uh, these Nordic countries like Norway and Denmark. 
Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of good things going on. Um, and I especially like uh, these examples where uh, uh, the companies and the cooperating parties, parties uh, concentrate on, on their key competencies. If I can um, just pick up on global collaboration in a very different sense, mm. uh, in terms of the, the wider clean energies transition and all the different uh, routes that are within that, we did have a question on LinkedIn um, about biogas and how those installations are, are really flourishing at the moment. So the question, Torsten, would be, is Nell Hydrogen ready for these kind of opportunities in, I don't know, in terms of reforming biogas into green hydrogen or, you know, the, the joined up approach across the energy spectrum? I think the the, the, the the biogas success is is like one of the key uh, pillars of them uh, at the moment. Uh, if you like, especially look into the transport sector, um, I remember like the number from Germany. Um, so we have, uh, I don't know, uh, one digit percentages, five, six percent renewable energies in the transport sector in Germany. And, and the vast amount of these uh, is coming from uh, like biological uh, sources and biogas. Uh, so this is this is definitely a great success. Uh, but yeah, my, obviously uh, Nell is uh, um, manufacturing electrolyzers and uh, hydrogen refueling stations. Um, it's a pure play hydrogen technology company. Um, and that's what we are focusing on. Um, and, and we are happy about every other, let's say, sustainable technology uh, being successful. Um, but I don't see um, like currently a, a direct link here. Fair enough. So speaking of the hydrogen industry itself, you're probably getting sick of hearing this question, but we have to ask. <laughs> the hydrogen industry has experienced a number of ups and downs over the years. What do you think makes this time different? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my uh, take on this since I also like started in one of the ups when I joined Opel GM and the global fuel cell activities of GM. At that point in time, we were like 400 people uh, working on fuel cell propulsion systems for GM. Uh, so this is, was like one of the earlier ups in uh, like the early 2000s. Um, and, and my take here is really that, that the, the, the earlier ups were very much driven by the transport sector. So that's also like the, the, the nature of uh, NOW in, in Germany. It, it was founded by the Ministry of Transport back in the days. Um, and, and, and that gave too much opportunities to easily take this down with kind of this one-dimensional arguments like uh, it's like battery vehicles are more efficient it's too complex infrastructure is too costly um, and, and 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 i think the difference now is really that that and then we talked about that earlier that that these systematic benefits uh, are acknowledged and understood um, that the hydrogen is essential for an, an uh, energy system based on renewables um, and, and in addition to that, um, the, the um, and now even like recently, just uh, also in Europe, tightened uh, international climate targets, they now finally force also these so-called hard to abate sectors 
steel, chemistry, cement, uh, refineries, uh, but also heavy-duty transport with ships and planes and, and heavy-duty trucks to find solutions um, to be uh, competitive in, in future and to be, let's say, CO2 uh, neutral. Um, and uh, especially for those, like just mentioned, uh, applications, hydrogen seems to be the promising solution. Uh, and then, which is uh, kind of good and bad at the same time, um, because it brings also some opposition in, into the discussion, is that the big oil and gas companies uh, are looking into uh, yeah, decarbonizing their business. And, and um, hydrogen is pretty much close to their current business model um, with everything it brings and the opportunities. And, and that's also like brings um, like a lot of weight again uh, to, to the current up in hydrogen. Well, let's talk about that uh, that weight. You are a rock star, Torsten, so you're in a great <laughs> position to help uh, influence hydrogen's adoption or uptake. So what do you see as the biggest challenge facing hydrogen today? I mean, we talk so much about the opportunities, but what about the challenges? Yeah, so it's it's clearly, uh, and, and I made that quite clear in one of my uh, uh, recent talks uh, in, 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 in an online event, that it is the regulatory framework. There is actually, with some exceptions of national regulations, there is uh, the regulatory framework existing at the moment for hydrogen is zero. And, and this needs to be realized. <laughs> and, and this is the biggest challenge. So, um, and, and uh, I think a very good approach uh, was, was delivered by, by Hydrogen Europe um, uh, just a, a few weeks ago when uh, Portugal also took over the presidency uh, of the, the council um, at the same time. Like kind of uh, with that, Hydrogen Europe introduced uh, the so-called Hydrogen Act. And this actually entails the main thing. We need to act now on uh, the regulatory framework. And what I especially like about this paper of Hydrogen Europe is that it doesn't dictate the solution uh, to, to uh, overcome this challenge. It actually um, um, presents uh, op like opportunities and possibilities and uh, discusses combinations of uh, funding tools. Um, so I, I really like like uh, this approach and can just uh, recommend to to look into that. Um, uh, it's on the Hydrogen Europe uh, website. So, but yeah, that that is clearly uh, the biggest. And I would also say the single biggest challenge is establishing this regulatory framework. Um, and, and, and why it is such a big challenge is that it entails several individual challenges uh, in itself, right? So we're talking about infrastructure. So how do we handle hydrogen in the gas networks? And we're talking about kicking off the market today with some short-term tools uh, that, that can be set up. 
Um, we are talking about um, setting up uh, market demand stimulating uh, tools uh, for the next 10 years um, that help to build up uh, this market sustainably. Uh, so yeah, it's such a big challenge because it, it entails like several other uh, challenges. Um, yeah, and I. But on the other hand, I'm I'm also pretty much uh, uh, excited to to be part of that. Um, and 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 really now is the chance, like in the next two three years, uh, to also proactively influence that. And that's why I'm also very happy that. Uh, we could also strengthen uh, uh, my team, um, uh, yeah, to be even more proactive uh, in in that development from from a Nell perspective. See, Lila, I, I told you about stage. It was all about policy. You did. You did mention that. Um, now, I hate to say this, Torsten, because mm. I think we could talk all day and still have tons of stuff to talk about. Mm. But we are running short on time, so okay. briefly. What are the key takeaways you'd like listeners to get from our chat today? If they if they walk away from this with just, you know, one or two key messages, what would those be? The regulatory framework uh, needs to needs to be established. Uh, we have the technology available uh, to, to kick uh, this off now. But we need a regulatory framework uh, to um, realize these these projects that 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 are uh, in the pipeline um, and also with setting up uh, this this uh, regulatory framework i would also vote for a clear priority on renewable hydrogen um, it's it's not about uh, not allowing the other uh, types of hydrogen it's just about a prioritization. Uh, so I'm, I'm clearly voting here uh, for for a prioritization of, of a renewable hydrogen. Um, yeah, that, that that would be, let's say, my my two points. And I think uh, both Rob and I would agree with you on on that one there. About uh, we're we're both fans of uh, the green hydrogen industry. Mm. Absolutely. Well, this has been great, Torsten. Thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with us today. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, let's see if I uh, believe uh, this, this rock star thing and maybe I'll uh, establish a, a band up here in the Arctic. <laughs> It'll be, you know, hydrogen focused, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I don't know how we'll do that, but uh, I, I have faith. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Torsten. Thank you. Rob, do you care to wrap things up? I'd love to. Thanks, Lila. I think we just struck the right political balance there somehow, perhaps more through Torsten's steely resolve rather than uh, our own self-control. I would love to hear more about those stories from the inner realms, but alas, I guess those stories are for another day. Hey, on that note, perhaps we could propose another new podcast, the Torstcast. <laughs> the Torstcast. So, I mean, not just a, not just a rock band here, but we're also going to have a, a new breakaway podcast. All right, cool. Yeah. I also found it really interesting to learn more about how we might realize these bold targets in Europe over the course of this decade. It's amazing hearing these brilliant targets and huge figures like that 40 gigawatt base of electrolyzer capacity, but often we don't fully understand how we're going to get there exactly. So that was good to hear Torsten acknowledge it's a challenge, but give us some detail on what that might entail. 
Uh, with Nell at the four, we could really be painting the map purple with that kind of capacity. Finally, just two things. Great to hear the growing calls on public perception and acceptance of hydrogen technologies. We really need to get those messages out there. And I know I've mentioned it, but it's G7 here at the moment, and I've seen the Extinction Rebellion posters all over bridges and, and towns. And uh, great to hear Torsten say that we need to act now. I think we're all on the same page there. Absolutely, we are. And and thank you for getting the purple back in there, Rob. I, I feel like we've been missing that a bit lately. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Rob. And thank you, as always, to our audience for tuning in to this episode of Purple is the New Green, particularly those of you who sent us your questions. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to check out our website, nellhydrogen.com forward slash podcasts for more episodes as they're released. And you can also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to tune in. Keep an eye out for the next episode so you can send some new hydrogen questions our way. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>